tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boostbytaxday to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC. Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to the Funky Writer Show, the show that explores the funk beneath the writing. My name is Rita Ames and today we want you to come with us into the world of erotica and take a peek at what's on offer. We will try to answer questions such as, does an erotica writer actually write what they want to do or is it just a fantasy? There are many levels of erotica out there catering to all tastes and tonight We're going undercover to see if the shoe fits or if we explode in night flames. Please note the shameless plug of two of my book titles. And now, I'd like to pass you over to my partner in funk today, Mr. Funky Writer himself, Robert Batista. Hey, the Funky, Funky Writer Show is now in the air. Spotlighted on BadRedheadMedia.com as a top author podcast on the web today and called a total blast of a show for writers. Yes, today we will take a unique look at the hot genre genre called erotica with my lovely and gifted co-host, author Rita Ames. She and I will also intersperse our discussion with original sensual poetry in a sort of wordsmith (laughs) face-off. So let's get funky. So Rita, you are a singer, painter, comic actress, and most importantly, writer and poet. And one of your genres is erotica. Let's start out with defining the very complex word with what its true definition is. Well, for a definition on erotica, we have to go to none other than the Oxford Dictionary. Okay. from the UK. Uh, That would be my first choice, obviously. Um, The Oxford definition is books or pictures that are intended to make someone feel sexual desire. So there you have it. Okay. And in research for this show, Rita, you compiled a list of facts that sort of go back and explain the erotica legend. Can you elaborate these facts for the audience? Uh, Yes. I thought it would be quite fun to to do a sort of... Well, uh, it looks like um, we've uh, lost our caller from the UK, my co-host, Rita Ames, and um, I'm sure she will call back, so I will keep the show going and uh, just let you know that you are, in fact, listening to The Funk of Erotica with 
the funky writer, myself, Robert Batista, and author Rita Ames. Uh, and Rita was just going to tell us about uh, the 10 facts of erotica. Are you there, Rita? Uh, yes, I am. Sorry about that. My signal dropped out. Um, okay. Yes, we have uh, 10 facts about erotica. And uh, the first one, which is quite an interesting one, was that the early writers of erotica were almost all male, which I found very interesting. Um, I think that the balance has shifted a little bit in recent times. And there are just as many female writers now um, in the genre than there are male. If not more. Uh, (laughs) Probably. (laughs) I think it's definitely shifted over to the female side, maybe. Uh, Number two, uh, in erotica, nothing sexier than the the first love or the first intimacies. Um, There seems to be an abundance of virgins uh, in most of the erotica novels and storylines. And I think that's something that historically has never gotten old and uh, everybody still seems to want to read it. So, which is quite a nice thing considering in this uh, this modern age where, uh, you know, promiscuity and uh, losing of virginity at earlier ages seems to be much more common. Yes. Okay. Um, number three, an erotica writer never forgets their first time. So the first book or story that you produce is always something that is very dear and uh, it it's, tends to be a journey of self-discovery. So uh, that that's my number number three, really. And I'm just going back to number two where we mentioned the, uh, the, the virgin, the erotica writer never forgets their first book. Uh, number four, a well-written erotic novel simply fills in the gaps left out by other well-written books. And anyone right. that's watched Mr. Darcy in Pride and Prejudice, played by the de- delightful Colin Firth, will will definitely agree with me on that one. Yes. Okay, one of my favourites is coming up, number five. The best-selling work of fiction in the 15th century was The Tale of Two Lovers, an erotic novel by the man who later became... Hello? Hello? Well, it seems like my co-host is calling from the UK, and it's not always easy. Um, And I do know that she's calling from Skype and using Skype for the first time, so... There seems like there could be possibly some issues on um, the actual call uh, of the Skype. Um, Rita, are you back with us? I am. I'm very sorry about that. <laughs> okay, okay. So let's, you know, we continue. And uh, I think you were on five or six. Uh, number five. Did I, did I actually get uh, get through number five? I can't remember where I got cut off. Well, let's go to to just start with number five again. Okay. The best-selling work of fiction of the 15th century was The Tale of Two Lovers, an erotic novel by a man who later became Pope Pius II. 
Right, that's where you left off, definitely, and and I find that so fascinating. But we'll talk more about that at a later time. So go ahead with number six. (laughs) Number six. Gymnophobia is the sense that somebody is mentally undressing you. Mm. Um, I love that word, starting with the word gym. So, you know, uh, I think it's brought out a lot of other words that we use, you know, uh, oh yeah, gym being you know for the obvious reasons, <laughs> gym slip <laughs> comes to mind. I think uh, exactly. I think most most young girl in a gym slip has that feeling. <laughs> yes, yes, definitely. Okay, uh, another one, uh, number seven. The G spot was nearly called the Whipple tickle after Professor <laughs> Beverly Whipple, who coined the expression that we know today. So, you know, it it could have been a very, very different uh, way of reading uh, erotica um, rather than the G-spot if uh, the word whipple tickle was used. Uh, Yeah, no offense on whipple tickle. (laughs) Yeah, no offense on whipple tickle, but I think G-spot is just a highly erotic term. Um, Number eight? I agree. Number eight. It is possible to be intensely spiritual and intensely sexual at the same time. Uh, that uh, and also I really caught me. Yes, I also was like, wow, and I'd like to talk about that one again also. So uh, please continue. Okay. Um, erotic sex can be virtuous without being repressive or too clean. Mm. So basically, uh, you can have a you can have dirty sex within a within a loving relationship. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Okay. Uh, number ten. Fortunately, sexual passion allows us to see the beauty of the body in small elements and gestures. Loving the person also helps because the beauty of the personality usually gets transferred to the body. Okay, so that's I, great. Yeah. So. <laughs> That is fantastic and really good to know. So, Rita, you've written erotica and very well in my estimation. Why did you decide to enter this sensual genre and create your very hot stories? (laughs) Um, The the first reason was to take myself out of a comfort zone. I wanted to put some writing out there in the public uh, arena and I'm one of those people that thinks, you know, it's best to sort of jump off the deep end and get it, get it out of the way. So the erotic uh, genre was one that I wasn't sure I could do. So therefore, it was my first choice. I thought if I could conquer that mountain, then I could you move could on to other genres. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, so I started with a, a blank word page and I spent a couple of evenings typing every sensual and sexual word I could think of and some that I couldn't think of that I had to research. (laughs) And I had to desensitize myself so that I could use those in a creative way within my writing. I wanted to write well. I wanted to stir the reader. I wanted to bring them into my little world that I was creating. And to do that, I had to not hesitate or hold back. Because, as you know, if you hesitate or hold back in anything sensual, it just puts the stops on it. So that's why I did it. And um, I'm really glad I did. I'm very pleased with uh, If the Shoe Fits. Um, It may have been my first and my debut novel, 
Um, it may have a, one or two typos, which I still keep meaning to go back and correct, but I'm very proud of it, and, uh, and the feedback I get is really, really uh, nice to receive. Oh, believe me, that was a great story, and I had no problem getting through that typos, and no, <laughs> it, <laughs> it just had so much meat, if you will, for such a great story. So let's the face-off begin. Let's go with your first uh-huh. poem. Are you ready, Rita? Yes, I certainly am. Okay, my first poem is titled The Pain of Anticipation. Oh, to still a beating heart, passion, sweet confines and secrets held, soft inhales of laboured breath, the softest touch, too much, when more is out of lonely reach, pure rebirthing of truest swells, of chest and lung and mind and heart, Imagery solidifying into solid waves, a climax long-awaited. Deeply breathing, overcome, emotions bubbling to a boil, a tear that traces to the heart, a heart that stills in pain of anticipation's gain. A wish fulfilled to rapture, freak come down and smoke inhaled with brandy's burning touch, a climax, what, too much? A pressure placed on fragile hearts, near ready for the strength of passion's sweet demands, to lose all sleep and all control to weep in pain of sweet anticipation's gain. Here is my first. It is called okay. Love It is called Love Timeless. In the shadows of my dreams, I can still feel the white heat of our inflamed desire. In the twilight of my waking thoughts, I still visualize the soft yet firm bodice of your divine womanness. I remember the sensual rhythm of the way we danced, not knowing or caring where you ended or I began. My mind and body still ache at the memory of the sweet nectar that emanated from your soul. I think again of your sensual cries of blissful rapture and all the times you said you saw God through me. Our love was, still is, and will always be beyond timeless, but most of all, beyond time. So, let's move on. Rita, what, how much research did you do before starting your books? Did you read the most popular erotic stories at the time or just jump in and sort of speak? Um, for writing the book, I didn't really research, no, because I wanted everything to, to come from myself. I didn't want anything to influence me whether subconsciously or consciously. So therefore, when I was actually writing, I stopped reading um, because I wanted everything that, that came from, from up in my head to, to, to be from me and original. Um, but I have read um, contemporary novels and enjoy I enjoy reading erotica. Um, so I've read Fifty Shades. I've read Sylvia Day novels, which are the, the, the better-known contemporary erotic authors. Um Current ones, or indie authors, as you would like to call them, I like Pepper Winters, who writes dark erotica and has a, an amazing series called Debt Inheritance. 
And I also enjoy Shelby Kent Stewart, who writes the most amazing men in her stories. If you've ever read uh, a book of Shelby's, then uh, you will you will know what I mean. Um, Surviving Sydney is a, is one of her books which I particularly enjoyed. Uh, so I like to think that I've got a, a bit of both of those in If the Shoe Fits. There's a little bit of intrigue, a little bit of danger, definitely a, a really hot hero. Um, and there's also a plot twist, which is something I'm known for. I like to, to stir things up and take you down a route that you're not expecting. Oh, so, yes, uh, you yeah. do. <laughs> yes, you do. Now, Rita, you mentioned that one of the authors you said had male characters that were just awesome. Um, can you uh, explain that a little bit of why that those male characters, what makes them so awesome? What What is about those characters that really turn women on? Right, okay. I think deep down all women really want their man to, to act the alpha, to, to be the man. We, okay. we might shout out about female equality, but in the end, you know, we, we want to be wanted. And I think any any book hero that demonstrates that is definite. You know, he wants his girl is going to get the reader, the, the female reader on board. Um, so there is always that element of, in an, especially in an erotic book, that, that the man is going after the girl. Unless it's specifically about, you know, more of a dominatrix-style uh, female character. Right. Um, you know, there are levels of erotica that bring in a lot of other, a lo- a lot of other tastes. Um, but I think if you're talking about straightforward erotic writing, then the, the, the male is definitely uh, showing signs of alpha-ism. So uh, I'm not sure if that's a word, but... <laughs> No, it's very understandable and uh, very, I understand that wholeheartedly. Now, this piggybacks into my next question about one of your erotic short stories uh, called White Van Man, (laughs) a really, really spicy tale, uh, you know, that I thought. Talk about the genesis of how this story came about and went from the shadows of your mind to the written page. Ah, right, okay. Um, I I had this idea while driving in my car and being cut up by a man in a white van, which happens quite a lot, especially if you're familiar <laughs> with the English roads. But, you know, there are there are there is that element of, you know, pulling up at a traffic light and a you know, a masculine arm leaning out of a, a van window. And you catch a glimpse, you know, of a tattoo or something. There, there's just Muscular something. Muscular you know? and hairy, so just, as you put it. <laughs> yeah, I just thought, well, you know, all us women complain, oh, I've got cut up by that white van again. So I just thought, white van man, you know you want him. So somebody just said, I bet you wouldn't write a story. So I did. <laughs> so there you have it. Obsession with white yeah. van man became a, a short story. And talk about a plot twist at the end. I'm definitely not going to give it away, but it was some twist. So, uh, Rita, White Van Man is the gist of erotic fantasy, where the protagonist constantly dreams of being taken by a certain type of working man. Rita, talk about mm-hmm. the power of fantasy and why it is so prevalent in the erotic market. I think because deep down... Um, daily life can be, you know, going, getting up early, going to work, slogging away for an employer for not a lot of money. 
coming home and being too tired to enjoy life, I think, means that people want to fantasize. They want to spend their reading time, their outside work time, somewhere else. And I think reading a good book takes you that takes you to where you want to go. And erotica is it brings in a little romance, a little excitement, a little titillation. And so if it's a good erotic book, it will fill in all the blanks. It will give somebody exactly what they need. And sometimes it'll help, uh, you know, two, two people at home, very tired after work, maybe bring something into their relationship. And if, and if as a writer, I can do that, then, you know, I've won. I don't care if I don't make money. I, if I can bring something into someone's enjoyment and their life and give them some ideas, then that's, that's great for me. Yes, you've done your job. Uh, now, Rita, on to poem number two. You're up. Aha. Poem number two is called Implosion of a Universe. There are no secrets here, my love. It's plain for all to see. That we do fit tight as a glove, skin on skin, just you and me. And as we rock our bodies so and feel the earth shake underneath, the softest rhythm ebb and flow, a sword within the warmest sheath. My mind and body will obey each word you whisper in my ear. I anticipate the words you say, come for me right now, my dear. The moon and stars are bright and still and twinkling in your eyes. My heart will love you now until my body fades and dies. When the universe implodes in flames and all is at an end, in climax we'll shout out our names. Our rapture, time and space will bend. My next poem is called Loving with All Senses. At first my vision encompasses and digests your ethereally, naturally beauty. Then, as I draw closer... The erotic carnal fragrance of your innermost being inflames my desire for the touch of you, for the sensation of your vibrating skin. As I slowly and silently remove each of your garments, we both anticipate the sensual pleasures to come. My hands devour your nakedness, and the feverish intensity in my loins signals the beginning of my journey. My sensual caresses cause you to moan with lustful expectations. Like a triumphant bird of prey, my head bows in genuflection before tasting the sweetness of fruits in the garden. The sounds of your delirious sweet agony engulf the air as you beg to be released from the pleasurable pain of the mounting explosion that is certainly coming. My lips rise to meet yours, and our fervent kiss is long and deep. When the volcano erupts, the ensuing lava flows hot and liquescent. It is a dream of eternity before our souls descend and return to embodiment. So... Well, when I threw Moving down that poetry on. challenge, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, we're, we're on a roll here. So 
I'd like to go back and discuss those 10 facts about erotica that you mentioned earlier. I'm not surprised Mm -hmm. that the early writers were male. Of course, that's no surprise at all. But the fact that the first erotic bestseller was written by a man who would later become a Catholic pope is sort of surreal for me. What do you think about that one, Rita? Um, I think... I wonder if he was a priest while he wrote it, right? Because he later became well, yeah, pope. That's interesting. he was in fact a priest. Yeah, it might be might be good to do a bit of research into that. It'd be interesting to find out. I, I think it just shows the, the connection between uh, spirituality and sexuality. You know, it is something that moves the soul, and I think everybody is affected and capable of feeling that, whether you are deeply religious or, or not at all. I think everybody is touched by the beauty of one soul against another, and uh, the beauty of love in general. So I think it's uh, it's just a, a really great example that it is something that's been around, you know, through the centuries, and it touches everybody. And, you know, it's amazing because I did read, uh, you know, a lot of the uh, Popes were Medici's and uh, other of the big and, and rich Italian families. Uh, some of them became popes. And uh, I also read where some of the popes actually fathered children. So, you know, this kind of makes sense now that uh, a man who would later become pope uh, wrote uh, an erotic bestseller. <laughs> uh, the other fact that intrigued me, Rita, is that a person can be intensely spiritual and intensely sexual at the same time. Now, you just mentioned that, and, uh, you know, I think we would get maybe people who would not believe that, uh, people who may be somewhat uh, on the other realm or, or not into erotica. I don't think they would agree, but I agree wholeheartedly, and I think you said you did, right, Rita? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think, you know, it's the, the difference between... Um, going to a club and having a hookup to meeting someone that you really connect with, with the chemistry and, and then having that slow burn, you know, the, the anticipation, the build up um, culminating in that, that getting together. And there, there is a really big between it, you know, and I think if you haven't experienced uh, that sensual spirituality, then it's very sad. I think it's something that, that makes the world go round really. Excellent point. And 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 if you really think about it, and a lot of uh, what we see now, uh, so much spirituality is is not into the sex. It's it's not spiritual sex at all. It's it's just sex for the sake of sex. So I I hear you loud and clear. Rita, another one of your erotic stories I feel is really good is if the shoe fits. <laughs> Talk about double <laughs> entendres. This story is much longer and cultivated than the other one. And if I may say, the sex scenes are torrid. So as you are writing these very hot scenes, Rita, do you sort of have to stop and cool yourself down? Or are you so zoned in that you're sort of immune to the hotness? Well, I suppose the right the right thing to say was I'm ju- is that I'm jumping in a cold shower on a regular basis. <laughs> um, <laughs> what I try to do is is the, the sex scenes. I don't consider them as in slotting in a sex scene. 
the the story builds with the characters, and so I'm there in their world, and therefore Understood. it's a natural mm. move into that, and therefore a mm. very slow build. You know, it's not let's just jump into bed. It's you know, it's a glance, a touch. It, I like I like to do written foreplay. I like to do lots of it, and m- most women will admit that that's what they like. Right. Lots and lots long, gentle anticipation. Exactly. Yeah, because exactly. at the end of the day, the final act is is the same in, in so many words. So therefore, if you don't build the scene in a different way and bring somebody in gently, then you're not going to arouse them or bring in that, that anticipation of the ending. And therefore, it won't be as satisfying to read the same as, you know, a, a cookie in the Club Lou is, is not as satisfying as a, as a whole night with someone that you care about. Mm. Mm. Hear, hear. So true. So what makes Rita Ames' erotic writing different from so many of the others that flood the market in this genre? Oh, well, I'm not going to say that mine's any better than other erotica writers because there are some amazingly talented authors out there, um, many of whom I've read and thoroughly enjoyed. Um, but my own particular style is, is I do like to build things up slowly. Um, I do like an explosive ending on each scene. Um, I believe the build-up is an important part of the essence of the definition of you know erotica to arouse. I like it to be a fully participating part of the story not just brushed over or jumped into too quickly. And it has to feel relevant and real to the characters. So um, I feel it's a big part of pulling the reader into that erotic zone, which is the whole point of the genre. Um, there is a market for books that have uh, an encounter every four pages, and that's absolutely fine. Although if the sex in it is basically just the same scene repeated, then like all things, it can become monotonous and, and boring. So my own preference is to give the reader the empowerment to sort of see themselves in the scene. And if it ignites something, incorporating elements into their own relationships, um, you know, after all, what's the fun of reading about a new game if you never play it? So that's how our mind's a bit different. (laughs) Understood, definitely. So let's do our third and final poems. I'll go first with a piece I call Love's Lust. Fire away. My love lusts for you and makes no bones that I crave the animalistic rawness of your sexual acrobatics to sustain my existence. Just give a look or a whisper or brush your skin against mine, and my body goes into carnal convulsions. When I am not with you, I relive the ecstatic cries of our last torrid encounter and wait the hours until I possess you again and use the ample endowment that I was blessed with to carve a deep path into your sweet infinity. Your fingernails dig out new roads and reopen old ones as you grab hold to life itself and ride me like the raging bull of your majestic creation. My love lusts for you. Frenetic desire controls my syncopated thrusting as I gaze into your half-mass eyes and see pools of pleasure unknown to mere mortals. We camasutra every possible way to please each other, giving completely to completeness. 
What we are, what we become is entirely beyond sexual desires. We are truly erotic incarnate. The initial climax is more anticlimactic, for we both know it is only the beginning of long, searing waves of earth-shattering eruptions with death and rebirth coincide in equal measures. Our love, our lust, our life. You're up, kid. Okay, what a challenge. Now, how am I going to talk that? Okay, my third poem, I decided to go down the lines of a little bit of fantasy and asking the question that most people ask is, what is it about the bad boy that the woman always likes? So my third poem is called Dragon's Breath. A princess, roughly taken from her bed, a dangerous dragon playing with her head, ankles and wrists restrained with sweet command, her pleasure willingly unwillingly wrought at his demand. Agonizing conscience plays the field, a knight spurs forth his sword to wield. Too late, the light of pure love's path, while lost within her dragon's flaming aftermath. Restrained and taken, free will flouted, her deepest desires will soon be outed. The knight, with sweetest words of love, may be too late to save his turtle dove, for she has fallen underneath the spell of a dragon's gift to pleasure well. This bad boy takes and claims and owns and holds in thrall erogenous zones. And so, alas, her knight must fight to prove himself worthy of the sight of flesh and passion long desired, but never enticed, just merely admired. His hesitancy caused his plight and forced upon him the painful sight of seeing her face in rapture's glow, pleasured by the dragon in the know. It seems throughout all history, and almost every lover's story, the big bad dragon has his day. It's up to you if you will stay, to hear if once she comes to earth, will our princess see the dragon's worth, or will she take the easy way? And marry a knight. Well, who can say? Bravo, bravo. <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, what um, a competition. <laughs> oh, man. Let's close the show, Rita, with you discussing what other writing genres you do and what new projects you have coming up that we should know about. Okay. Um, well, I also write thrillers. I have a psychological thriller with a very nasty serial killer called Love You to Death. Mm. Uh, I've just uh, also released a crime uh, thriller called Eyes in the Mirror, which is uh, based in London's underground. And I'm on book two now, just rewriting that. So uh, the sequel to that, See Through My Eyes, is hopefully going to be out this year. Uh, so all those who've read part one and are absolutely hating me because I have left you hanging, I am trying <laughs> to get it finished really quickly. <laughs> I, I'm at gunpoint on this one, believe me. <laughs> um, I have another book uh, coming out very soon, uh, which is A Paranormal Duet. Uh, it's a two-novella uh, book written with my co-author that I write with called Raven Delahanty. Uh, we've both written uh, a short vampire 
uh, romance, which uh, we're putting together in one book called Silver in the Moonlight. So uh, that's in the editing stage as we speak. So I'm hoping that will be out in January. Um, I have several other other things in the pipeline, but uh, I'm trying to concentrate on those two at the moment. Um, there's a there's another paranormal book in the, in very beginning stages, again written with uh, Raven, called Angel Song, which is another paranormal romance, but it's uh, aimed more at the YA uh, genre. So we're toning it down a little bit. So that will be fun. <laughs> no, Very no, 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 don't tone it down. <laughs> ratchet up, ratchet up. Oh, uh, after hearing your poetry, uh, you, you have to. Um, uh, <laughs> Rita, if someone wants to contact you for more information, can you, can you give out any websites or addresses or your Twitter handles or anything like that? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter uh, on at Rita Ames author. Um, I, you can find me on Amazon if you just put in the uh, Rita Ames in the search and you can find all my books on there because I am essentially an Amazonian. Uh, you can also email me with any feedback or questions uh, at rdm underscore author at outlook.com uh, and you can find me on About Me and my links to that is on my Twitter homepage. So come along. I love questions. I love discussing writing. Um, I love a challenge and I love feedback, good or bad. I don't mind. I'm not precious. You know, no one's perfect. So uh, contact me, talk to me, buy my books, read my books and enjoy. My feedback is all good, Rita. <laughs> Believe me. <laughs> You've been listening to the funk of erotica on the Funky Writer Show. I'd like to thank my wonderful co-host, the multi-talented Rita Ames. Thanks, Rita. It's been a blast of the show. Oh, thank you for inviting me, Robert, and thank you for letting me have the opportunity to do a very special content show. I hope this is the start of many to come. Uh, I'm looking forward to, to definitely collaborating on many more things. It's been a blast. Good night and sweet dreams. Good night.